Luke and Leia finally become a couple, a Force Ghost couple, and they adopt Rey. Skywalker. This is spoilers. God, Luke and Leia Lannister. I know I just downloaded a lot of information on you all, but that's kind of how this movie rolls. Uh, this is Spoilers Podcast. We're reviewing The Rise of the Skywalker. Wait, we're reviewing Rise of... Gosh dang <laughs> The Rise of Skywalker? Is that right, Corey? I, I think you got it. Good job, Josh. <laughs> this is Spoilers Podcast. We're reviewing The Rise of Skywalker tonight. The ninth episode of The Skywalker Saga. Corey, you are the newest member of Spoilers. Where are you recording out of tonight? And just what are your initial thoughts on what we have in store for us in this talk tonight? Well, I'm Corey, also known as Kylo Ren Memes. Check me out on Instagram. I'm recording out of Simi Valley, California. And, um, well, I'm very excited to discuss The Rise of Skywalker. I think we have uh, three pretty different opinions on this. Um... I mean, I'm just going to say straight up, I do like this movie. More to come on that, but uh, I'm excited. I agree with you. I I think Pappy is on the dark side. You're clearly on the light side. I'm somewhere in the gray, so hopefully we have a good chat. Pappy, you are the creator of spoilers, and you're going to kind of drive the plot as we go through the movie tonight, but can... <sighs> I guess I'll put it this way. Kylo, Corey asked you in the thread, how aggressive are you going to be tonight? And... Can we just have the answer to that? Yeah, this is Pappy recording from New Prague, Minnesota, uh, home for the or home for the holidays at my fiance's home. Um, nice. I'm gonna call a spade a spade. I think there's a lot of really stupid shit in this movie, and I'm not afraid to point that out. I I don't think it's a terrible movie, but I think more of what the sequel trilogy has become. It's indicative of just there's a lot of stupid shit. Uh, lying around <laughs> that needs to be called out Pappy you developed spoilers to have a yes or no rating system and can you just exp- to anyone who may be listening new tonight um, we're going to have a couple spoiler men that weren't able to join us in on the pod give their yes or no here in just a second but what do they have in store uh, what do the listeners have in store Pappy well if you listen to the last Jedi episode it's kind of a, a unique concept that we've done with some of these uh or that we've done with just the Star Wars movies. And uh, we have a lot of friends, a lot of peripheral members of the podcast, uh, and we got their opinions on it. So we have, I think, Brett and Mikey off the top uh, calling in, and then we're going to get into some other people who uh, have their opinions. And I think it's good, especially for a giant, giant temple movie like this, that you get to hear more, more voices than just ours, because it can be really frustrating to hear two or three people talk about a movie this big and you're just like, no, why don't you point out this, this and this? And so hopefully, (laughs) hopefully those people can bring those, those points into perspective. Definitely agree. And do you have anything to say about the binary nature of the yes or no? It actually wasn't my idea. We had an intern at the time and he's the one who uh, brought it to the group. But yeah, I, I think it, it can be effective because you can give something a yes that you know is objectively not good, where you might have to give it like a lower star rating or out of 10 rating. It's just, what does the movie mean to you? And and if if you and Corey are both yeses on The Rise of the Skywalker, I won't hold it against you for your terrible, terrible taste. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Without further ado, uh, one of the longest members 
one of the longest running members of spoilers ever, Mikey. Let's listen to his review. Hey guys, uh, this is Mikey recording from Emperor Palpatine's weird sex dungeon. I'm going to just give a quick two minute review of the rise of the MacGuffin. Uh, the Rise of Skywalker. First of all, I think this is probably the worst opening crawl uh, in all of the Star Wars movies. He uh, read it's it? Really, it's not even really written well. Uh, it's just like, hey, remember Palpatine? He's alive. Uh, the dead speak. Uh, we don't even get to see how Palpatine survived any of... I, I don't know. I don't know anything about Star Wars. I don't remember how he died, and I don't really <laughs> care. Um, but this movie does have some good things going for it. It's got incredible visuals. All of these planets that we go to look amazing. The space battles are incredible. Um, and we get a lot of uh, really crazy-looking monsters, some really scary-looking monsters that look just enormous um in scale compared to ships and uh people it's really cool to see what they pulled off in terms of the monsters in this movie uh but there's also a lot of problems with this movie too um i don't know a whole lot about the lore of star wars um so i didn't try to rewatch any of the movies going into this so i was just going in as a clean slate but um it's literally just going from planet to planet chasing another MacGuffin. for a long time we get this blade that has like sith writing on it that's literally just uh ends up being a protractor <laughs> with um <laughs> scribbles on it uh and ray happens to be standing in the right spot to locate where another MacGuffin is hiding uh which in the end doesn't matter uh so there's just a lot of chasing one object to find the next object in this movie um and i guess that's fine if there wasn't so much hanging on wrapping so much stuff up in this movie uh this movie has a really long run time and a lot of it is just spent running around chasing MacGuffin so I didn't really care for that much about the plot uh we also get more Leia and Lando honestly I thought both of these performances were pretty mediocre uh they used I'm assuming just cut scenes from previous work Carrie Fisher has done uh, just extra deleted scenes or something because she's really not saying anything of importance and it's pretty obvious. Uh, there's a lot of reverse shots of just the back of her head to hide the fact that she's not here. Um, and Lando, I just got the vibe that everything he was saying was slightly sexual. It had a slightly sexual <laughs> tone to it. I don't know if you guys picked that up, but I yeah. thought that was really weird. <laughs> Literally every line is coming off in a way. I didn't, I didn't think he was planning Where on. Where are you from, uh, baby? But we're also, we also get the uh, Palpatine and Rey um, reveal. Palpatine ends up revealing that Rey is his granddaughter. Um, I, I don't think anybody cared for this at all. Uh, these reveals about family stuff it's already been done you already did the best one ever you did you did vader is luke's luke's uh father so you can't keep doing this stuff because you've already done the best one um i just thought it makes no sense this master and apprentice role uh palpatine's whole plan was to have ray kill him and then he ends up <laughs> revealing the whole plan right as she's gonna kill him and she ends up trying not to i don't understand this business model if you want a person to kill you, don't reveal the plan. I don't know. That could have gone a different way. But um, Palpatine ends up getting defeated. And I don't know. I don't understand how the Force works, guys. Uh, it's really bad. Um, We're still learning stuff about the force up until the very end and um then we get two kissing cousins i don't i don't know 
uh kylo and ray oh, end God. up kissing listen if you're not paying attention like i am about who's banging who in this franchise <laughs> um it's not even explicitly clear <laughs> to me that kylo and ray aren't related in some way uh i know they're not but still all the way up in this franchise it's really weird their whole relationship is odd to me um i don't know i i just watched this for the visuals and the visuals were incredible in this movie i think it might be the best looking star wars that we're ever going to get and I'm just mm. baffled that um, from movie to movie in this trilogy that nobody left a post-it note saying where the plot is going to go from <laughs> character wise <laughs> overarching plot wise just nobody has any idea and in the end it all seems like it was kind of done with a little bit of spite <laughs> Um, I don't understand how a franchise this big could be so mismanaged. It just seems like a lot of money. Uh, it's a masterclass in how to make money and not a masterclass in how to run a franchise. So that's about all I'm going to say on it. I, this was way longer than I was planning, but I gave it two and a half stars. And those two and a half stars are just solely for the visuals alone. Um, there's nothing here plot wise. Just uh, I would say if you want to watch it, go watch it in a theater. So I'll give it a, a soft yes. All right. Thanks, guys. A masterclass in how to make money is probably the best way I've ever heard Star Wars described by any human. <laughs> I mean, it kind of always has been, right? Well, thank you, Mikey, for that brief yes or no. Uh, but let's get into Brett's email. Or, yeah, let's get into Brett's voicemail next. Hey, everybody. This is Brett from Fort Wayne. Uh, sorry I couldn't be there with you tonight. It's okay. Uh, I have really important business to take care of. And uh, I wanted to be there with you guys, uh, especially to help. Corey and yeah. possibly Josh defend this movie because I really did like it. Um, it, I said it before, it had a lot of fan service, but I really like that kind of stuff personally. Uh, some people might have been insulted by it, but who gives a crap? Um, I think there are a few things that Josh said in his letterbox review that I'd agree with. I think it tied up a lot of cool things, did a lot of cool things like the the chewy and the metal thing. That was really cool in my opinion. Uh, I think he was right that the Leia and Lando scenes were pretty cringe. And um, I think it was just a fun movie, like you said. I I, I think his review was is optimistic of a view I've heard him have of a movie in a while. Oh, thanks, and, Brett. Uh, I really like this. I, it ended about as well as I thought it could have. I wish Kylo would have made it through. I thought he was really good. Thank you. I thought, I thought it looked <laughs> beautiful. Um, I thought Ray did a nice job. I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, I, I laughed. Um, I've always been a big Palpatine fan, so I like that. Some people might think that's like blasphemy or whatever, but it's unnatural. You know <laughs> that everyone's allowed to have their opinion. I didn't love the last one, but I didn't hate it either. I just like this a lot more personally, and I thought it wrapped up the series really nicely. And well, I, that's about it. I can't really think of anything else. Uh, I'm sure you guys are talking over my audio like you did last no. time when I called it on Child's Play, uh, making fun of me, uh, but, you know, I'm used to it, so whatever. Uh, I can't wait to be back Love on you, the Brett. show. you, Brett. Hopefully doing some other cool stuff, so uh, thanks, guys. Have a good night. I'll talk to you soon. What a sweetheart. Man, I hope that I Brett. he was able to take care of his business in a good manner. Hope everything went well. I have no idea what he's talking about. Papers. Business papers. The Packers are playing tonight. Let's be honest. It's a sports ball thing. Devastating. (laughs) I want to relax and just hang out with you guys and talk about this movie. Pappy, we start running us through the plot and kind of remind us in the audience of 
everything that happens as it happens throughout this episode nine film. I mean, there a lot goes on in this movie, so <laughs> <laughs> if you've only seen it once, I could see how a recap would be helpful. Exactly. Yeah, I, I did see it twice. How how many Corey? Did you see it twice? I did. Did you see it once, Josh? One time. I felt exhausted after the first time I saw it. I, I, Josh, how did you feel after you left the theater that first time? Honestly, I remember laughing with mirth and glee in the parking lot as I drove away. <laughs> Due to uh, an unrelated incident or what? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think the first thing I was thinking of in my mind as I got in the parking lot from the theater was like, all of the burns that JJ laid down on Ryan Johnson. And oh, God. Even if you agree with it or not, I just think it's so funny the way that it manifests itself on screen. <laughs> it made me laugh every single time that happened. And I've never quite had that unique of an experience with the meta director's <laughs> commentary before. I tried to step away from that in, th in this viewing of the movie. You know, I didn't used to look at Star Wars that way. Like, what's been going on behind the scenes? Did they think of this before? I, I wasn't thinking about, like, the back-end continuity of things. Like, if they had planned this out or if they had planned this out. Because that's never really the way I enjoyed Star Wars before. I just do it now because, like, I like to overanalyze shit. And we're all, <laughs> like, film critics now. So, that's <laughs> everyone in the world is a film critic. So, we got to right. go that route. But I tried not to do that. And I think not doing that is a helpful thing to do with this. And probably anything. But even the fact that, like, your mind could possibly go there, it just feels like a managerial failure. You know what I mean? Like, that's not Ryan Johnson or J.J. Abrams' fault. That's their boss's fault, right? If your two employees are... Are fighting <laughs> and having you're, jabs at each you're other. You're pointing blame, and Corey is like declining, basically, to even like talk about it or discuss it <laughs> happening. But like, no. what I'm saying is, I enjoyed seeing that this time well, around. It okay, was but crazy. you are. You are let, let's just like put our cards on the table. I gave Last Jedi a soft yes, and I haven't spoken about it since I saw since we did our podcast on it two years ago, which is, is a really good episode. We do something similar there we're doing tonight where we have all these different clips in. But Last Jedi is the movie I've seen in theaters the most out of any movie. I saw Last Jedi eight times in theaters. Eight times. Whoa. Yeah. Because that was like if you go back in time, that was like the height of movie pass. And I didn't go home from Christmas that year. And I was like being sober <laughs> at that time. So I would just go to the movies every single day with my movie pass. And I saw last Jedi from all different seats in the theater. And the more I thought about last Jedi, the more I liked certain parts and the more I just disliked certain parts. But overall I thought it was okay. Josh, you are a detractor of last Jedi to raise the I'm curtain. I'm not. Yes. A staunch last Jedi here. Yes, you are. I think that Ryan Johnson's pompousness came off in a really bad way in that. But I honestly I've gone through peaks and valleys and I've grown this is a character arc you've seen on this pod over the last <laughs> two years. Right. I appreciate <laughs> The Last Jedi. I think it is a better movie than this one. But I just think this one was like more fun or something. It, I, I had way more fun and I just laughed and enjoyed it a lot more. The Last Jedi was like stressful. <laughs> well, really quick, Corey, how do you feel about The Last Jedi? And then we'll, we'll get into this movie. But I, I think it's good to set that stage. Well, Pappy, to be fair, I have gone super deep down the drain of Ryan Johnson hate in the past. And yes. I will admit to that. I, 
I'm growing from that and I'm learning, okay? <laughs> you saw Knives Out is what I'm hearing. Uh, the question for me, Last Jedi, I did like it. Um, I didn't love it uh, as much as uh, some other Star Wars movies, but I was not one of those hardcore Last Jedi haters that's saying, like, ruin Johnson and he destroyed Star Wars. I mean, there's there's whole Instagram pages built against this man. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, it wasn't as good as I was hoping it would be, but I did like it. You know, it was, it was pretty good. All right. Uh, one more, one more question, Corey, and then we'll get, we'll get into the plot of this. Uh, but you operate a predominant Instagram page talking about Star Wars memes. I heard you say one time that you, you've learned better than to, than to comment on, uh, <laughs> the, the sequel trilogy to, to engage in that discourse. You're obviously <laughs> doing that now in a big way, but like, what have you found is the reaction when you weigh in either one way or another on the sequel trilogy? Well, I mean, it seems to vary. It seems to go with like, what's the mood of the internet? And um, I think the mood of the internet right now is to be against what critics are for. So the critics <laughs> hate this movie. The fans like it. I did a poll on Kylo Ren memes that's still up right now. It has an hour left. I said... uh is basically two choices. You liked it or you didn't like it. Yes or and no. I have mm -hmm. 747 votes, liked it, 167 didn't like it. And that's for Rise of Skywalker, of course. I was one of the ones who didn't like it. Uh, but yeah, let's get into the movie proper. We actually were lucky enough to have uh, one of the most predominant Jedis in the Spoilers universe, Spoiler Man, uh, recorded an opening crawl. So let's go ahead and let him read Read that, and we'll get into the, the rise of the Skywalker. The dead speak. The galaxy has heard a mysterious <laughs> broadcast. A threat of revenge in the sinister voice of the late Emperor Palpatine. Why Palpatine? General Leia Organa dispatches Time secret agents to gather intelligence. While Rey, the last hope of the Jedi, trains for battle against the diabolical First Order. Meanwhile, Supreme Leader Kylo Ren rages in search of the Phantom Emperor, determined to destroy any threat to his power. So I know because I paid five dollars that it's about sixty-five words, but those sixty-five words are utterly course-changing of the whole trilogy. I mean, Corey, do you like the fact that from Jump, they're like Palpatine's back? That's what's happening. Uh, actually, yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh. The dead speak, man. It spoke to me. I, th I thought there was going to be this whole thing about like, they're going to make it seem like we don't know who this guy is. And then somewhere along the second act, it would be revealed to be Palpatine. They're like, no, we fucking told you in the trailers. It's Palpatine. You know, it's Palpatine. He's here. Let's get into it. I, okay. I, I, I think that you did touch on something is like, Given where the franchise is, the, the choices that are made are good. It's better than having a Palpatine third act reveal, which would have been obvious. But Josh, like, just from the jump to have Palpatine, are are you a fan of that? Did you did you like it? Because that's that's the way the movie opens. Is Kylo Ren is looking for this wayfinder. He's trying to find how to get to Exegol, which is like the home home of the Sith. Was that fun for you? Yeah. <laughs> It was Josh, fun for me because it, it was you? out <laughs> of left field. Uh, I feel like this one was written in a way all the other ones aren't. The other ones are more dry and like political in nature. And this one's just straight up. This character is raging. This character is doing secret things. It's very much more 
subjective and <sighs> Pappy, I take it you did not like this blistering speed that took place here. Like, is this JJ Abrams' way of uh just set resetting the plate? I mean, I like I said, I I, I think that JJ got dealt a bad deck of cards and I, I don't even know how much money they paid him to come back. I hope it was I hope it was a bunch, but he didn't there was no villain per se or existential threat for him to deal with. Like we find out that Snoke is being grown in test tubes on this planet Exegol. There's like these little weird mm-hmm. Snokes all all bundled up and and <laughs> and Kylo Ren's there and and he's there to kill Palpatine, but he or Palpatine, and he finds out that <laughs> <laughs> spoiler man influenced me there. <laughs> but it, <laughs> he he has this uh, armada of star destroyers uh, that he's raised. Which man, I we're gonna go plot point by plot point, I guess. But like, so the star destroyers, does the first order need those to accomplish their goal? They could use some star destroyers. Why not? I'll take some star destroyers. Yeah, I'll have some too. <laughs> why? But why? Why I'll do take they, fifty of those? But why? Why do they need those? Because they've literally just decimated the last of La Resistance in the last movie. There was like twelve people on the Millennium Falcon left. Why do they need all these ships? Look, they've been recruiting. They got fucking Mary from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> they're assembling a crew here. They're threat. They're a real threat. And here's a, here's an important thing that I, I also forgot about. Those Star Destroyers, they're all little Death Stars. God. Yeah, they can all blow up planets now. Pretty soon it's going to be like a blaster that can blow up a planet. Like, you just like, (laughs) (laughs) he just has like a a sidearm planet destroying, you know. I just don't need another story of there's an existential threat that can blow up a planet. Like, why why couldn't the conflict have been within Rey, with her dealing with the fact that she's a Palpatine? Why does Palpatine need to literally exist and literally have technology to blow up planets again? I don't I don't know, but regardless, he has those. He has the des- the the star destroyers that can now blow up planets. We we see Rey. She's continuing her, her training under General Leia Organa. Organa and uh, man, I've had a lot to say about Leia, but we talked about this on we did the Force Awakens after Carrie Fisher's passing, and then we obviously did the Last Jedi uh, after Carrie Fisher's passing, and now we're you know three year two years removed from from when she passed away. Josh, how did you feel about the way that the movie incorporated her? Yeah, I would say this is probably the best example of. The dark side of the fourth being a pathway to many abilities that some consider to be unnatural. <laughs> it was very clear watching the film that uh, she wasn't really there. Um, yes. All of the lines, especially that her and Ray had back and forth, felt like we need Leia to just have lines and. Ray is like clearly talking to no one. Pappy, those scenes felt so empty. Well, look, you can't you can't judge her on her performance. She did not have a performance. She did not perform for this I film. Agree. I mm-hmm. agree. They that's, took that's clips why it's of her. unnatural. <laughs> <laughs> they put it in, and I imagine they wrote the script around what things they had of her. Which again, I tried to separate myself from that. So, I mean, look, even when she was alive in The Force Awakens, 
Her performance is not great. We know that. But you got to have her. And she's a classic Star Wars character, a beloved actress. And I mean, yeah, I mean, she, she just has to be in it. And that's, and that's as good as it can possibly be. She's dead. I mean, I mean what are you going to do? It felt like, I don't know if you guys have seen those videos where like someone will ask a bunch of questions into the microphone like, hey, so how are you doing this year? Or like, where did you come from? Then they'll record their own responses to those questions. But like 10 years later, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if yeah. you guys have seen like YouTube videos like yeah. that, but it's it's so clearly the way that the the dialogue is phrased towards her to lead to a certain point. Like, I, I think there's one later on in the film they're like where she's like, Tell me something optimistic. And like one of the guys has to like totally do a tangent on what he's saying to like fit around those lines of dialogue. General, we're getting reports of a raid at the Festival of Ancestors. This mission is everything. We cannot fail. Any words from Ray? Falcon's not responding. Do you have to say it like that? Like what? Do me a personal favor. Be optimistic. Yes, ma'am. Uh, this, is, this is terrific. You're not going to believe how well this is going to turn out. I mean, I, I I was critical of of Carrie Fisher's performance from the beginning, and, and from the beginning meaning uh, the the Force Awakens, and I don't know why JJ then Ryan Johnson kept passing the buck of her being alive to the next director as like the, kind of their their problem. Um, I I don't have anything against Carrie Fisher, and I, I and then you know. I, there certainly was a lot of love for her when she passed away, kind of being the first of those big three who passed away. But to me, she's one of the single handed biggest problems with this trilogy that, that she just needed to go away yeah. from the first movie and they, and no one had the balls to do that. And I, and I think that's, that's unfortunate. I think there's a shot, one of those meta shots we were talking about earlier from JJ to Ryan here. And uh, what's his name, Corey, the, the kind of like new up and coming Sith blue-eyed guy bad guy general general pride so when general pride is in the deck and it explodes and he dies i felt like that was really similar to when that happened to lay on the control deck and it was kind of to me abram saying like you don't just survive (laughs) this blowing up with all this fire and flame and violence and i thought that scene was like extra descriptive and kind of violent to i don't know did you feel that at all pap i i didn't i mean there were so many (laughs) there's so many visuals in this film like him him getting blown out of that that star destroyer was very striking i didn't necessarily pick up on the leia on the leia vibes but for all i know in star wars he's probably not dead he could come back as a as a forced ghost or or something at this point but (laughs) i I don't know. And like, I, I, again, I don't want to pick on Carrie Fisher, but if you watch the deleted scenes on The Force Awakens, they talked about like all of the exposition that, that was around the rise of the First Order and La Resistance had to be cut because she literally couldn't act. And then the whole existence of the Laura Dern character is doing things that General Leia should be doing, but she's not capable of doing as an actress. And that, that pissed a lot of dudes off the, the existence of, of 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 the laura dern character but regardless something that we all liked from the force awakens on was was kind of that core cast of finn poe uh and ray and we talked about how ray is training but finn and poe uh are with chewbacca on a mission to 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 talk to the spy to learn about the location of the wayfinder that that ray needs um they all kind of link up and leia sends them on their mission to pasana 
Is that how you would pronounce the name of the planet? Yeah. I I thought this was one of the better visuals of the movie, Corey. What's what's kind of happening on on this planet? On Pasana? Well, um I heard someone say that they're having um Space Burning Man. <laughs> yeah. It's basically <laughs> Holly, the Indian festival of or the Hindi festival of colors. So yeah, I didn't know about that. But yeah, they're having Pretty a much. kind of a a big party with the locals there. And I believe that the reason they went there is because they're picking up the pieces of uh, Luke's search before he went into exile, right? Mm-hmm. So they go there to try to find... What are they trying to find? The Space MacGuffin. It's the Sith Wayfinder or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they're trying to find... The Blade uh, and the A map. Jedi Hunter, yeah, who is there. Or something. That's right. They're trying to find like a Jedi hunter, but they, you know, there's a few clues along the way. Um, The main reveal in this planet here is that Lando's there, basically, who kind of like saves their ass. It's a mysterious figure in a mask. And of course, it's going to be Lando. And it is Lando. Yeah. So Lando, Lando saves them uh, or or gets them out of a jam. And then they get into some quicksand or something. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. After like a, a Mad Max Fury Road chase, <laughs> it's 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 a blistering pace that this movie goes at. It's the movie is moving faster than this podcast. It's covered more ground in thirty <laughs> minutes than this podcast has been able to. But I don't know. I, the whole quicksand to me was was very trite and telling. And I, I wanted to bring this up too, Josh. Is that Finn? Wanted to tell Ray something as they're being sucked into the quicksand. I, I've heard from J.J. Abrams's mouth that this was that he wanted to tell her that he, he was force sensitive, but it just feels like a really bad play when in The Force Awakens, which J.J. Abrams directed, there was a, a crush that Finn had on Ray. He talks about, you know, do you have a cute boyfriend? And that point, that plot point is never paid off. And so it feels like you have a black character who wants to tell the white girl that he has a crush on her and that's not allowed to happen in the movie maybe i'm sjwing it i'm sure brett turned off his phone at this point but am i am i wrong that josh? Ain't it. no you're wrong look i'm gonna speak for josh i'm gonna speak on behalf of everyone everywhere <laughs> <laughs> you're wrong <laughs> i don't look, know there, there's there's one clear answer to this they're getting sucked into quicksand and he's gonna tell ray I don't like sand. Stop. It's coarse, irritating. <laughs> it gets everywhere. Stop. And we're in it. We're in it right now. That That's the only answer. Pappy, I didn't pick up what you were saying. I thought I thought Poe and Finn were like a couple until they both had girlfriends at the movie, at the movie's end. So I was so confused. And you bringing up that Force Awakens part about like, yeah, you have a cute boyfriend, like, that was four years ago. That didn't wasn't touched at all on TLJ. So I, I don't know. It's really confusing. Into that little line no, too much. I no, mean, no, no, no. They come no, back no. to it. They I, call no, back to I, it. I won't back down on this because Finn clearly has a crush on Ray in the first movie, and and the the black guy's allowed to kiss an Asian woman. We're allowed to think that the black guy and the Mexican guy have a thing together, but we can't let an <laughs> interracial kiss happen on screen. Why? Uh, Poe is Italian. Whatever, it's cowardice. It's cowardice from Disney. But <laughs> how does that work with Raylo anyway? I mean, Ren, Kylo Ren, and Ben Solo are supposed to be with Ray, not Finn. So Ray's just supposed to be like the hottest chick in the galaxy. Any dude that's close <laughs> with her, it kind of has a crush on her. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. 
I guess. Yeah, but uh, speaking of cowardly storytelling, the <laughs> they they get out of the sand, whatever. Chewbacca's captured and there's a misdirect where there's no way as an audience member that we could possibly tell that Chewbacca was on another transport and Ray <laughs> blows up a transport and Chewbacca's apparently not on that one. Okay, so before we know that Chewbacca's not on that one, did you have any emotion, Pappy? Did you feel anything for Chewie? Yeah, that was the first time in this whole film. That I saw this twice. The first time I watched this, I had a similar kind of visceral reaction I had in The Force Awakens when, when Harrison Ford got stabbed by uh, Kylo Ren. I, I thought, wow, like that's the end of Chewie. That's the end of like kind of my friend. You know what I mean? And I was happy that I saw him from beginning to end. And I was happy that Ray now has to grapple with those consequences. But of course she doesn't, nothing has any real stakes. Nothing is actually a thing. We got to keep selling. It's a really baller way to go out. Like this force lightning that goes up through the sky and just explodes the plane. And I was feeling that too, Pappy, like sad for Chewie. And, but also like, you know, I only saw this movie once in theater, so I was thinking they took away Chewie. They're probably going to take away C-3PO next. Like, it's kind of time to close the books on all these characters. And it didn't turn out to be that movie, did it? No, it didn't. And I talked about this on The Last Jedi. I, I wish that over the course of the first two films, it would have killed off all of the OT characters. So now this new generation would have to figure sort of figure out the problems. But I think... That's kind of the end of Act 1. Did you guys have anything else from that beginning that you wanted to talk about? Well, I mean, we talked about Ray's Force Lightning a little bit. Um, did you guys understand at that moment when she shot Lightning, she's kind of facing off with Kylo Ren to set the scene. They're doing like a Force battle, trying to pull in the transport. She kind of gets really angry, shoots out the Lightning, destroys it. We think Chewie's on it, all that. Mm-hmm. Did you guys understand at that point that she was related to Palpatine, that that was the secret? Because I didn't. I'm not asking to say I did and you guys didn't. I actually didn't. But I've talked to a couple people that said that's when they realized she's a Palpatine. I didn't. No. I, I, no. Yeah. And going back to two years ago, there were videos that raised a secret Palpatine. But that's just not the kind of thing that crossed my brain. I, I was lamenting Chewie at that point. You know what I mean? I wasn't trying to to open the mystery box. I just thought that furthered the whole race storyline that she's just an unnaturally powerful uh, person in the force. So of course in this highly emotional situation, something volatile would fly out of her fingers, but we are at the end of act one. Pappy, I know you don't like John Campia. Can I we just hate, lead with that? <laughs> I hate John Campia. He is a, a prominent uh, YouTube reviewer and uh, one of my least favorite in the space. Well, We're going to listen to a couple YouTube reviewers' reviews to get a few new voices here and freshen things up. So uh, let's listen to John Campia's first. Uh, Hey, guys. John here. Okay, so I am at the after party or standing just outside of the after party for the premiere of Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Just saw it. Just walked out. Here's my first reaction to it. I think this is a movie that a lot of people are going to like. It's got some um, big highlight moments. J.J. went for some stuff that's very different and very bold, and I applaud him for it. Like I said, I think a lot of people are going to really like this movie. Unfortunately, I'm not one of them. Uh, I got to say, okay, I John. don't ever remember walking out of a Star Wars movie as disappointed as I was in this one. Well, okay. First of all, 
That's a great clip, and I actually John Campion earned five points that day, so he's only like negative five hundred at this point for five me. Five points for Gryffindor. <laughs> but it is really hard in that kind of atmosphere. Like when you hear a lot of like YouTube people who go to premieres, they're almost always like on board. And it's the same with like fucking festival people too. Like you see a movie at a festival, there's a certain amount of energy that goes with it to to be able to be in that environment and objectively say this wasn't a good movie. Whether, however you come down on it, that's tough to do. I mean, do. Daft Punk was playing in the background, jamming. One more time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like with the prequels. So many people that waited in line for days to see episode one, The Phantom Menace, I think were in denial a little bit about it being as good as they said it was because there was a little bit of a backlash not too long after that. And, you know, I could be wrong. They could be Phantom Menace lovers to this day. But I, I question it, you know? Mm-hmm. I question it, too. Um, question someone things. that questions what movies you should even watch before this one is Chelby, is Chelsea Robson from Rotoscopers YouTube. Let's check out her review. Hey, everybody. My name is Chelsea Robson. And now I'm going to start off by saying, uh, going into this, I felt like, oh, wait, should I have gone back and rewatched, like, episode one through episode eight to be able to really get pumped and ready for this. Yeah, I mean, you could have, but here's what I tell you. This is all you really need to do. Maybe watch episode seven and then uh, watch uh, Spice, Spaceballs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I actually haven't seen Spaceballs since I was a kid, so I don't know if I'm missing something there. Is her point kind of that... Uh, the Last Jedi is skippable and washed over here? I think so, yes. <laughs> All right. I think that feeds pretty well into this next interview from Robert Storms. I just want to know, in what fucking world do I live in when Solo, Solo, a Star Wars story, has a higher critic percentage on Rotten Tomatoes than a goddamn saga film? I, I don't know where it went wrong. Right, it's like JJ did Force Awakens, and his whole goal was to pretty much wipe out the prequels from people's mind. Then the Last Jedi came out, and now his goal is to wipe out Last Jedi in everybody's mind. It's like you can't pretend it didn't happen. You can't spend your entire movie trying to fix everything that you didn't like in the Last Jedi. If you didn't like it, JJ, if you didn't like it, then you should have fucking directed it. It was your choice to direct the first film and then leave. I think. That encapsulates a lot of like takes on Star Wars now is that a lot of people were upset a lot of people were upset that the last Jedi subverted expectations of the Force Awakens and now it feels like there's a percentage of people who love the Force Awakens or are upset with Rise of the Skywalker for doing exactly what Ryan Johnson did in the middle film of this trilogy Josh is that part of the reason why you connect with Rise of the Skywalker so much? Is that? <laughs> uh, I've, I think if you've listened through this pod, you'll remember me saying that I've grown, so I'm above these petty okay. squabbles. You're right, you're right. But yeah, I think that my favorite one, I think, is coming up in this next act, Pappy, so I don't want to spoil it too bad, but Luke Skywalker grabbing the... Um, lightsaber out of the air that Ray tries to throw into the fire and saying something to the effect of uh, a Jedi's weapon deserves far more than this. It's like it's so clearly against something that I disagreed with in the previous movie. I can't help but like it, even though I still think what Ryan Johnson did was okay. 
because I've grown. I mean, you don't think that line fits in the confines of the story about how Luke has grown in The Last Jedi and where he is now as a, as an entity of the Force? I think that's a good excuse for it to exist, but I feel like it was <laughs> as blatant as Kylo Ren in The Last Jedi, or Snoke in The Last Jedi saying your mask is ridiculous <laughs> to Kylo Ren's uh, costuming. Which feeds into this movie, then J.J. Abrams going back and being like, no, we're going to re-put this together puzzle piece by puzzle piece and make a big deal out of the appearance of it like it's so crazy how kylo ren's helmet was like such a disputed piece of property between these (laughs) two directors i mean among criticism as well like a lot of people are saying like the putting back together of the mask is a a fuck you to ryan johnson and yeah i feel i don't want to go into it too much but i don't think so i mean like what like why does it why is it that like, you know, he's rejoining the Knights of Ren, and they all wear masks, and they all have a fucking sweet look, and he's putting his back on as the leader of the Knights of Ren. I mean, it's it's part of the move. Like, why is it, uh, why do we have to look at it through that lens, you know? Because it's so clear in the second movie, The Last Jedi, when Snoke says, take off that ridiculous mask, that Ryan Johnson is saying, like, this mask is stupid, like, let's play up the emotions of Adam Driver and stop trying to like copy off of what the original star Wars did that for JJ Abrams to like show an armory scene, hammering together the helmet piece by piece. Then another scene where Ren goes into this, like Pappy, do you hear what I'm saying? Like, no, yeah, it's not ignorable for me. Like, I don't know how Kylo slash Corey can go into this movie and just like pretend that doesn't exist. Well, I wish, I wish that I could, and I find Corey, like your ability to do that, admirable. And I, and I think that probably the way that J.J. Abrams explains that to his boss, Kathleen Kennedy, is oh, that's the logic behind it. But like the fact that like I'm thinking about a director's squabble in a Star Wars movie is a failure of the management of this IP, and that falls squarely on. To me, my shoulder, the shoulders of Kathleen Kennedy. Uh, but let's get back to Act Two. There's still a lot more, more to talk about. Uh, like we mentioned, uh, or like I forgot to mention, Chewie had the knife uh, when he was abducted, and so now the only sort of record of of where uh, the Sith are is in C-3PO's memory. And Poe has a connection on a planet named Kajimi of of uh, of a hacker. My favorite character. In this movie, and one of my favorite of the whole series, Babu Frick. Babu, Babu, Babu Frick. Yeah! <laughs> we got to visit him. Uh, Corey, why don't you talk to us a little bit about what happens on Kajimi and, and my, my boy. Hey, hey! <laughs> Classic Star Wars. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> uh, well, they got to figure out uh, the code in C-3PO's mind. Uh, so on this planet, they run into... Uh, Poe's old fling, I guess, Zori, mm-hmm. who is, I mean, I'm going to guess uh, a character you hate, Pappy. I don't hate her. I wish there was more of her. Uh, Carrie Russell, a.k.a. Felicity, another J.J. Uh, Abrams project. I-, I wish there was more of her or none of her, <laughs> I guess is kind of where I stand. <laughs> well, she's the one that takes him over to Babu Frick, and uh, we get the big trailer moment where they're trying to dig the data out of 3PO and, um, well, they basically say, in order to do this, we're going to have to mind wipe him 
And he says, uh, you know, taking one last look at my friends kind of thing. And my thoughts on the, I mean, this is kind of like in a way the death of 3PO because he'd be losing his memories. And it later on turns out that they got a backup. So it's all good. He wasn't on that ship. He wasn't on the transporter. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So my thing with the fake out deaths is like, I, I'm okay with it if it's just one, you know? I didn't love the fact that they faked this out with 3PO as well. <laughs> like, you can fool me once, you know? I I don't think they should have done that. I agree, Corey, but I think the way the scene played out was pretty fascinating. I think you get C-3PO's, like, original, like, monotone voice with none of, with none of his personality injected, which I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. When he gets his mind wiped? Yeah, and he just, like, reads off some numbers and coordinates and, like, signs off. It's really bizarre to see him, like, cold like that, don't you think? Yeah, I guess so. And we talked about, or Josh, I think you texted us about this before. I think some of the best humor and some of the Elmer only humor that works for me is is C-3PO, like, being best friends with Babu Frick from this point out. He's like, oh, he's one no, of my his old- oldest friend. <laughs> one of my oldest friends. And, like, C-3PO's like, I'm C-3PO. And he's like, I, Babu Frick. Like, nice to meet you. Like, he's the only one who's, like, on board with, like, trying to introduce this character. But, no, I- I'm, with- I'm with you guys. It-, it seems cheap to even include the explicit line that, like, R2's memory is unreliable. And then to, to have it actually work, it just seems, like, really really cheap almost as cheap as carrie russell zori bliss having a magical coin that can get you anywhere you want to go past the empire uh at any point that mikey talked about MacGuffins. that is a beyond op item right (laughs) i mean she had to do a lot of quests to get that she you know yeah that's some sick gear right there (laughs) sure it reminds me of in Chuck E. Cheese, like you get the coins and you can play any game with that coin. It's pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> Midwest reference? I don't know. Ray is once again sort of force communicating with Kylo. And I, and I actually really liked the way that this was incorporated from The Last Jedi. It was a force power that had some some criticism at the time, but I, but I thought it was the groundwork was laid there, and now it's kind of sort of being built upon. And it's almost as if they're physical beings, or it is as if their physical beings can now manifest between the two places, and they have a little, a little fight, and Kylo tells her that she's Palpatine's granddaughter, and that... Her parents sold her into slavery in Jakku to, quote, keep her safe. It's uh, a good way to keep someone safe. That's a lot of info right there. Corey, as the, the keeper of lore of Star Wars, what what did, what were you thinking when this was laid to you? Because you said you didn't see it coming uh, when she had the lightning hands. So I mean, I was very excited when I found out Rey's origin. I've been wondering about Rey's origin for a long time, as have we all in the Star Wars community. And then it was suggested in The Last Jedi that she has no special origin. But I think a lot of people were kind of like, eh, that's bullshit. There's another movie. She's going to have one. And she did. And it is a big character. And it's, I mean, for for no specific reason at all, I thought she was going to be related to General, uh, to, to Obi-Wan Kenobi. So it wasn't that, but you know what? That's totally fine. I just... I got excited for it. A lot of little things in this movie like that, like, I guess you could say fan service. 
I don't like that phrase in this review, but uh, a lot of things like that got me excited, and that was definitely one of them. I wish there had been more Easter eggs or clues dropped about that throughout the trilogy. I know for a fact The Last Jedi, Ryan Johnson didn't even attempt any sort of hintings at anything with Rey's. So I, I just think it kind of came out of nowhere. And as much as I think, like, overall, I get it for a, like a Star Wars film, her being Palpatine's granddaughter, like, kind of makes sense and that's fine. But it might have been the worst part of the movie when Kylo Ren goes, You're a Palpatine. And the music, <laughs> like, swells and there's this little zoom on her face. That was pretty cringy to me, Pat. It was cringy, but I'll say this. One of the lines that we've laughed the most, uh, or sorry, one of the quotes that we've laughed the most at from anyone in the Star Wars family is George Lucas saying, it's like poetry. They rhyme. And we, we laughed about, <laughs> we laughed at him relentlessly when we've done our, our prequel coverage. But I think it actually works here i am very okay with her being a palpatine because it, it mirrors luke's arc where that his his parents or his grandparents or whatever he comes from a bad bloodline she comes from a bad bloodline and it's overcoming the darkness within yourself i think that's that's speaking to a larger theme but i i also agree with you josh that there was no there was no breadcrumbs for this there, there's no groundwork laid and it, it feels very very forced at the time and it begs the question who fucked Palpatine? <laughs> Who's out there making babies with Palpatine? <laughs> I don't think Palpatine gives you a choice, to be honest. But I, I think <laughs> do it. I personally just do think it. in the <laughs> in the future Good. Star Wars lore, I guarantee the story of Ray's parents will be told. I'm I'm sure there's more more time and more Disney Plus originals for that. And a character whose story I wish was more well told was was General Hux, Domel Gleason. Okay. Oh, go ahead, Corey. <laughs> General Hux. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have been uh, keeping up with the Star Wars memes leading up to the rise of Skywalker. I was really trying to avoid spoilers, as I'm sure we all were. But it's hard for me running an Instagram page that is Star Wars based and posting daily on it. So there was like this meme slash fake spoiler circulating <laughs> that Hux gets eaten by a giant turtle. <laughs> now, if you guys are fucking listening, if you guys got this link from Kylo Ren memes, you know who you are. <laughs> Fuck you for that giant turtle shit. I was waiting for the giant turtle the whole movie. When we saw the snake earlier in the movie, when they fell in the pit and the head popped up, I was like, oh, fuck, it's the giant turtle. Where's Hux? <laughs> Hux does not get eaten by a giant turtle. <laughs> That's so Confirmed. great. That wasn't on my radar at all. But but Josh, I, I felt like Hux was the completely wasted character throughout this whole trilogy. He goes from being an actual imposing figure, building the Starkiller base, to to a guy who's subject to to pose your mama jokes in uh, the last <laughs> Jedi to now being a, a quasi hero or spy or someone who only cares about Kylo Ren's demise. He Donald Gleason, fantastic actor. Definitely. For some reason, I'm kind of satisfied with it because I feel like his arc consistently was just diminishing returns kind of. So he just kind of got halved as the movies went on and, even in this one, I guess he's a hero because he's a spy or whatever. 
But his like main line and takeaway is like, I don't even care if the resistance wins. I just want Kylo Ren to lose. So <laughs> he's definitely not like a good guy. Like Kylo Ren has been fucking with this guy the whole trilogy. He's been like choking <laughs> him out, like slapping him across the face, kicking him in the balls. Dude, <laughs> fucking, <laughs> it makes sense that he'd be like, you know what? Fuck Kylo Ren. I'm going to do anything I can to kill this fucker. I'm tired of his shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I, I think to Pappy's point, his screen time especially just got lesser and lesser and his character's importance was lessened. And I happen to feel like that was okay, Pappy. I, I, he couldn't have gone up from the intensity in Force Awakens. It's like full Hitler. It's just that if I was running Star Wars, I would be very sensitive of the criticism that the whole reason this IP exists is to make new characters to sell toys. And it feels like... We already had an established baddie through two films. And and why not give him a more satisfying arc than introducing this new general? And and, in case in point, one of the characters that we introduced on the Keef beer, the ocean moon of Endor, where apparently the Death Star is in pretty good shape after being obliterated at the end of Return of the Jedi is (laughs) Janna, who rides these warthog looking horses and she she helps ray get to the death star uh kylo ren uh, finds her there through through force tracking abilities uh ray and kylo have a duel kind of on this ship thing that's in the water and we get the death of leia as she with her last force energy the exposition is provided to us by Maz Kanata, uh, Lupita Nyong'o, I think Six Movie Club, uh, one of the most predominant women in spoilers history. But she tells us that <laughs> that Leia is using the last of her Force abilities to to talk to Kylo, where he's subsequently stabbed by and stabbed and healed by Rey, and, and we get the death of Leia. This kind of ends Act Two, but I I want to talk about this a little bit. I I feel like. Josh, I should have felt more with the death of one of the OT characters. You know what I mean? There should have been more of a feeling there. So, she is everything that you claim. She is our princess, and we love Carrie Fisher, but she fake died once already in The Last Jedi. We've already mourned her in real life. I just think that... We're ready to kind of say goodbye in a bad way. We're just ready. I think we're ready to see her stop getting kind of stretched along here, to Mm -hmm. be honest. Like, it's one thing to argue about, like, whether the force power of her being able to reach out in this moment of need is, like, cool or worth it or, like, well explained. But I think that as an audience, like, this wasn't like a gut punch when it happened. It was more like, trying to figure out if the writing made sense for her arc or something. I don't know. It was a big deal for me. I mean, the the whole bit leading up to it is this like big lightsaber battle and um, things are actually going against Rey this time. She's kind of getting her ass kicked and you know, the buildup was, I was really into that fight. Like the, the set was really nice and you know, they were going through the ruins of the Death Star, the waves crashing down. And then when Leia does that and it takes her out and you hear that, uh, the, the score, like, I think it's like the Han and Leia theme. I don't know. It, it got me, but my, uh, my fanboyness, I think is 
greater than you guys. And I don't mean anything against you by that. But, I don't you know. think so, Corey, because I felt like the mo- emotion there was more that Kylo, like to me, I did feel emotional, but it's more about like Kylo actually showing a soft spot for his mom, less about Carrie Fisher passing away. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It got me on all fronts, man. All fronts. All fronts. <laughs> but that that is the end of the act two front. Do you guys have anything else from that part that you wanted to talk about? Or should we get in some more voicemails? Yeah. I do have a couple things. Um, so we talked a little bit about the Wayfinders. Um, mm-hmm. did you, what did you guys think of the inclusion of those things? It's like Mikey said it. It's a MacGuffin for a MacGuffin. <laughs> I don't know. Like, <laughs> Are you guys familiar with the term holocron at all? Yeah. In Star Wars lore? Yeah. They look like these Wayfinders. Um, they exist in Star Wars. They look exactly like this. And in some cases, they're very similar in design. It, I was a little bit annoyed by them calling them Wayfinder because I feel like it's a way to tell the audience what this thing is and what it does. <laughs> like, I'm trying to find the Wayfinder. <laughs> they should have just called it a holocron. I think that's kind of like a fanboy nitpick. But, I mean, they're holocrons. That's what they are. When they showed Kylo Ren, like, profusely sweating jetting across the universe and he had like the wayfinder plugged into all these cords and it looked like haphazardly done kind of i love that part like the look of it you mean yeah just the look and that like kylo ren was smart enough to like take the wayfinder and like plug it into his ship and use it i don't know this is the way man. the sith finder pyramid what about uh uh when ray leaves and we see han solo i mean we're gonna skip over han like that I, I had that in the next part, uh, but that was okay. That I mean, that got me in the feels the most. I think was the father son uh, aspect, and it it worked for me in the Force Awakens. But let's let's play some voicemails first, Josh, and then we can jump into the final act here. Yeah, let's play another round of voicemails. We got two here, and these are some friends of Star Wars. Our Disney friend first, Pappy. Pixie's our Disney friend? Is that what you'd say? She's a semi-official Disney correspondent. Just more all things uh, wherever she wants to jump in, I guess. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Whatever Pixie wants to do, she does. So. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Let's <laughs> listen to Pixie's review of Rise of Skywalker. Pixie is here as a Sith Force ghost. The Rise of the Skywalker proves no one's ever really gone. This epic, action-packed, heartfelt finale brought balance to my Sith heart. The last 75 minutes were amazing in IMAX Mm -hmm. 3D. All the action came, and I felt like I was right in the middle of it. Seeing Carrie Fisher on the screen brought tears to my eyes. I teared up a total of four times during the film. This was layered with fan service and Easter eggs, and it makes me want to see it again. I'll say this about Pixie. I rarely agree with her on anything, <laughs> but I appreciate her sincerity. She She's very sincere in her opinions, and I'm glad I'm glad that she liked it. I mean, she brought up some very interesting things that uh, I wasn't going to talk about, but I'll mention briefly is that like I'm not um, I'm not a super emotional guy in movies as far as like I don't usually tear up, but I almost did a couple times in this movie and that i mean that kind of says a lot i'm not i'm not the kind of guy that like cries easy i you know i like really repress my emotions in a probably very (laughs) unhealthy way but uh, i mean it got me too i kind of felt what she was saying there and someone else who i think also like pixie does 
kind of put those director squabbles behind them and just see the movie for what it is. Um, PK, Pat, is really good at doing that, too. He's our superhero correspondent. That is his official title. Yeah. Yeah, he is officially nice. titled that. So let's listen to PK's. Pew pew. What up, spoilers oh, crew? No. This is your superhero correspondent, PK, coming at you with a quick Rise of Skywalker review. I am in my car, so I apologize for the noise. But... <laughs> I did enjoy this movie a lot. It's a fun, fast-paced movie with a lot of action, a lot of lightsaber action. Uh, the music was fantastic. As always, John Williams actually made a cameo, if you didn't see that. Fucking shout-out to John Williams. One thing going into this I wasn't looking forward to was the potential Kylo Ren switch to the light side and teaming up with Rey, which happened, but I did enjoy how it happened, and I was happy to see Ben Solo finally get what he wanted and and be free of the pain he was living through he wanted ray i think the ray skywalker at the very end was a little bit forced if i may but other than that it's <laughs> definitely yes for me it didn't wrap up quite as nicely as avengers endgame but i might be a little biased as your superhero correspondent but definitely yes this is a little bit longer than 30 seconds and i'm sorry but i hope you guys have a happy holidays and I can't wait to come back on for another superhero episode or whatever episode you guys want me back for. I will be there. One love. Merry Christmas. Ah, well, thanks, PK. Yeah, we. He's been happy uh, life day, PK. Yeah, he, happy, happy life solstice. Day. He's been pitching uh, doing the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy for a while. We got to make that happen yeah. at 2020 in some capacity. But I'm looking now. John Williams was a bartender on Kajimi. I did not did not catch that cameo. I didn't see it. I heard it as well though. Speaking of cameos, uh Warwick Davis also now in the the fucking nine movie club. Uh it was <laughs> w- reprised his role as Wicket. Uh so he, he snuck in there. But <laughs> let's let's jump into to act three. Uh Josh, you already talked about uh Luke emerging and, and raising the X Wing and catching the lightsaber. Uh, I know you had some problems with with the way his character was treated, but do you have any other commentary on kind of the rise of the Skywalker Luke versus the last Jedi Luke? Yeah. So Ray goes, you know, at this point when she goes to see Luke, it's because she's so devastated that she would let the dark side consume her. And did she think she had killed Chewie at this point as well? She's still under that impression. She she had realized that she hadn't. She felt him with the force on Kajimi. Right, but she just feels like she can't control herself, so she's going to take herself into isolation, and um, it ca- kind of calls into question, like, does Luke's Force Ghost just hang out here? Like, he hung out here? I mean, he's in the afterlife now. You gotta think of all the places in the universe. Like, it's all mental. In the blink of an eye, it could just be... In- I don't know. But I guess he's still hanging around there. He comes when he's needed, just like Obi-Wan. And I think the most overt, and you just mentioned it really quickly there, the most overt thing against Ryan Johnson was the lightsaber and then lifting the X-Wing. Out. Is it an X-Wing or a Y-Wing? It's an X-Wing. I don't care. It's Red 5. <laughs> I should definitely know that. Lifting the X-Wing up out of the swamp like Yoda did in Dagobah. I mean, everyone wanted that. In the last movie, Corey did 
did that bring chills or any emotion to you seeing that thing dried off look it, it, i felt two things during that i got a little bit of the chills and the nostalgia feels and then i got the why is the ghost doing this why isn't ray doing this so in, there was a little bit of a conflict there and look like i said i don't think this is the perfect movie there are some weird things that happen like that and that, that's one of the ones that I, I was kind of going both ways on. More to Pappy's point, and to your question, I should say, Pappy, is yes, I, w- I was satisfied by this because I think just seeing Luke again and him getting a little bit more screen time, I think Mark Hamill really deserved that on a meta le- level. But also, I think Luke Skywalker here shows some force abilities that are kind of breaking new ground that I really appreciate. And that is that, like Corey said, he is a force ghost physically affecting the physical world and like lifting stuff. And I, that has potential real consequences in the star Wars universe that that's possible. So I think Luke Skywalker kind of breaking that barrier at least makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I think every kind of every one of these, uh, sequel trilogy films have have brought us new aspects of the force Mm -hmm. and there's always been some, some pushback yeah. uh, with those, especially with, with, you know, fans of the sort of extended universe that's now been, been retconned. But another character, we, we, we hinted at this earlier, Corey, that, that comes back from the OT is Harrison Ford. And, and, and I, I do mean this sincerely. This was one of my favorite parts of the film. Uh, kind of, you know, not only seeing Kylo Ren transform into Ben Solo, but, but have a reconciling, with his father, I, I I thought that was a very emotional moment, and then from that point on, he is Ben Solo. As soon as he chucks that lightsaber into the the ocean moon of of Endor, did you did you what? I guess Corey, did you like Harrison Ford's performance? We we talked about it on the Force the Force Awakens episode of being not good to okay, uh, but but he's back. Well, his performance, you know, I I thought was was good. It was it was fine. I wasn't like wow, what a what a Harrison Ford scene. That was amazing. But, right. you know, I didn't, I didn't really think it, that it was bad. That didn't even occur to me. I, I like the moment, you know, and like you said before, it's classic, uh, George Lucas. It's poetry. It rhymes because they kind <laughs> of, they have that scene again and it goes the other way. And that was, well, that among a couple other things in The Force Awakens, it, it's kind of been, you know, building to this to, to Ben Solo's like character arc and his redemption. And again, that even mirrors uh, the original trilogy with, you know, mm-hmm. Ray and Ben and Luke and Vader mm-hmm. and their connection and, you know, how uh, one of them gets redeemed. And, you know, I, I really liked that moment. I thought it was kind of maybe not very practical to get rid of your only lightsaber, but <laughs> <laughs> that's just me. Yeah, it's uh yeah, it's a Skywalker reconciling with his father again. So, yeah. It's like poetry at rhymes. We were just talking about Force Ghosts, and I'm pretty sure in extended like Star Wars lore, Qui Gon Jinn like kind of created, invented that way of coming back from the dead. Yes, and like taught it to his apprentice Obi Wan, and like then Yoda learned it and got more powerful with it. And it makes sense that like Anakin, when he died because he turned good, he was a Force Ghost, and then Luke was a Force Ghost, but Han Solo. According to my list, only has like fifteen hundred midichlorians. Oh god, he doesn't even have like that blue shroud around him. Shut up! I, I know, I know. But Pappy, I think to my point, my point is like 
you love this part so much, even though it was so illogical movie-wise, right? I mean, yeah. Well, for one, I, I don't subscribe to anything in the extended trilogy, and I, and I think that Disney showed us what they think of the extended trilogy by retconning all of this, but it's just extended pure... Extended universe. Whatever. It, but it's just pure ethos, <laughs> right? It's just pure, pure emotion. And, and so much of this movie is so breakneck and so fast-paced and so action, 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 you know, chasing MacGuffin, chasing MacGuffin, chasing MacGuffin, that this felt like a moment, one of the few moments where the film slows down. And Adam Driver's a great actor. Harrison Ford is a movie star. And Adam Driver's probably going to win the Oscar this year. And seeing him act next to one of the most iconic movie stars of the 20th century gave me goosebumps just on that just on that alone what does it does it make sense just for clarification you don't mean an oscar from this movie right uh absolutely not no <laughs> from, from marriage okay story, yeah. but okay but yeah just just on that premise alone just on its face that that gave me goosebumps um something that didn't give me goosebumps was uh the return to exegol where ray is confronting palpatine who's hooked up to a hydraulic arm uh there's a big battle <laughs> that happens here. Uh, Josh, you remember kind of what happens in, in sort of the, I guess, the climax of the last act of the last Skywalker saga film? I do. Ray walks into Palpatine's new planet layer, moon layer, uh, mirroring and rhyming what Kylo Ren had done earlier in the film. And she comes upon her grandpa and she's like ready to strike him down and pappy mikey talked about it in his review and i don't know if we've played that part yet on the pot or not but basically it's like he mono <laughs> cory he does the classic monologue and he's like i need you to kill me so that all the sith in the world and all of a sudden this like full Notre dame stadiums worth of sith lords appear around like what? chanting and clapping just a bunch of snokes <laughs> snow clones bro and they're all they like can't do shit they're like sith sith Look, sith all right palpatine is traditionally a blowhard he's gonna talk you, you you approach him slowly in the last act of a movie he's gonna be talking all right that's what he does so he talks and because he says he wants her to kill him she can't kill him so we're kind of left in this like awkward kind of suspense of like so we're just gonna both sit here having a staring contest <laughs> <laughs> well i think it's important to to kind of set up what's occurring around them right because uh, after leia's passing poe i guess kind of takes over the resistance fleet and decides to um track ray's ship down to exegol and lead a strike team to try to take down their uh humongous fleet of death star or Mini Death Stars, Star Destroyers. So there's also, while Ray's confronting Palpatine, like a space battle forming, right? They're kind of the the last mission, kind of the end of Return of the Jedi situation. Mm -hmm. One of the things that Palpatine uses against Ray, and this is a little bit later on in the conversation, is basically like, look, you let me do this, and we'll stop killing your friends up there because we're about to wipe them out. And that's kind of the Luke dilemma, too in Return of the Jedi. Well, and I think it was a pretty okay space battle. I found it to be a little bit disorienting and some of the mechanics of it weren't clear to me. Like there's only one 
navigation ship and basically once that's taken out then there are a bunch of sitting ducks that that makes absolutely no sense to me the more and the more i think about it the stupider it is am i am i mischaracterizing that plot point oh i think the reason that they're uh in that planet and that no one knows about them is because of like the atmospheric interference that's created in that planet and they their nav systems can't get through it. I mean, this is all the in-movie explanation. I don't know if I have any more to offer than that. But <laughs> um, So I guess part of that like control beacon or tower thing is what helps them coordinate their um, ascent off the planet so that they can go strike the resistance systems. But Corey, it's a fucking spaceship. You just fly up. <laughs> you just fly away, <laughs> and then you're out of the atmosphere. <laughs> what? Yeah, but sometimes when you're on a spaceship, you're upside down. You don't know which way is what. I mean, Post specifically <laughs> says you don't know what's down from up. <sighs> so yeah, okay. they you don't say know what's it. down from up. <laughs> I think another little stupid plot hole I saw here is like, how do these comm systems work? Like a hundred billion thousand good uh, space jets fly into orbit. And, like, the only one that calls in is Lando being like, we got your back, yeehaw! Like, how does the chatter work on the comms? I don't get it at all. You know what? I, I was thinking about that while re-watching uh, Avengers Endgame. It makes no sense. I mean, you gotta suspend your disbelief for that. It felt very Endgame-esque, speaking of that. When, when uh, Lando brings in all of the ships and they're, like, kind of flying in... It felt like at the end of Endgame when all of the people are portaling through uh, Doctor Strange's warps, you know what I mean? Like all of a sudden yeah. there's this there's a huge army being assembled to fight to fight the huge army. But but long story short, like Poe and that other or sorry, Finn and that other lady he met uh, ride these horses on a star destroyer and they blow up the MacGuffin. So now none of the ships can move and and they're sitting ducks. Meanwhile, Ben Solo's back, and I really liked seeing Adam Driver wield a blaster for a little bit because it felt very Han Solo-esque. Even the way that he was like running and shooting it felt very reminiscent of the OT. That was one of the things I did like from this movie. But they find out that he they are a, or Palpatine finds out they are a dyad in the Force, and Ben Solo gets thrown down a pit. And Ray uses both lightsabers and, and kills Palpatine, um, and then but that kills Ray, and then Ben revives Ray, and they kiss. Is it all right if I talk about a couple things before Please. we go to like that that very end point? Please do, because yeah. when Kylo Ren shows up, like I said, he threw out his lightsaber. Maybe not the smartest move, right? Mm. He gets uh, confronted by the Knights of Ren before he even reaches Ray, and. They use that like force trick to pass off the lightsaber where they can like kind of like bond. Ray senses him nearby. And it's a gets great the payoff. Every other time they've used this, they've like gotten into an argument and just gotten pissed and started fighting or something. But this time they like subtly use it to just pass a lightsaber. It's pretty cool. It is good. And, and it was cool seeing him fight because his fighting style changes completely. When he fights the Knights of Ren, like, I guess he's using the light side force now. I don't really know. But his his fighting style is completely different. And I've always been a big fan of Kylo Ren's dark side fighting style because he's very, like, he swings with, like, a lot of strength and he kind of, like, stomps around. He seems mm -hmm. like a medieval knight, I've hacking. always thought. Yeah. Hacking motion. He's more, like, Jedi-esque and, like, kind of flipping and dodging a lot using the light side and uh, a lot more agile. 
I just like seeing that difference and it was pretty quick, but it was a it was a good lightsaber fight, I think. Now, Corey, you're the big on the fanboy lore. What? Oh, okay. <laughs> what actual Jedi? Uh, don't they have like different techniques? Yeah, they got. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know about all that. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> no, now look. There, there's, there's specific like fighting styles that have like. Um, Vapad. Like e- Eastern sounding names for the most part that I, I don't know the specifics of. So I, I can't speak to what's being used and when, but I, I just noticed that the difference visually in that particular moment. What did you notice visually about the kiss that transpires between Ray and Ben, Ben Solo? Were you, were you a shipper? Did that <laughs> bring some satisfying <laughs> conclusion to you? Oh man, the dissent among the fan community and Raylo shit has been <laughs> so fucking annoying. You're on the front lines, yeah. <laughs> I am on the front lines. All right, so leading up to The Rise of Skywalker, a lot of fans of the sequels are pro Raylo. They want them to get together. And there's a lot that don't, and they seem to fight a lot in my comment sections. There seems to be a lot of arguments. It gets pretty nasty. I have to block people. It's very annoying. <laughs> but as far as where I stand, I mean, I really liked the moment of them kissing. Now, I know some people groaned. I heard some people groan in the theater. Some people wooed. I heard gasps. I got reactions of all short of all sorts. But I mean, I I thought it was a nice moment. I, I really enjoyed that whole scene. I really enjoyed the whole last act, actually. Um, I mean, to not to detract too much, but when the resistance is getting like basically like destroyed by all these star destroyers, and then they get the backup and like all these ships like show up like they didn't do in the last Jedi. Like they finally answered the call and they're gonna win. I that part really built me up as well. I like these things in the moment too, Corey. I'm with you. And I think Pappy described that part of the plot super well, like better than I ever could, because one of the weird things about it is if you try to explain to someone what happens in that end scene, it's like, okay, Ray kills Palpatine, but because she used so much force, she dies. So Adam Driver uses all his force to bring her back to life. They kiss briefly, then he dies. It's like, wait, why are they all dying? Like, what what's happening here? But when you're watching it, it makes like sense, I think. But it's just weird. <laughs> Look, Ray has been training to, I guess, like achieve a specific technique of um, getting the previous Jedi in history to like assist her or to grant her some kind of she's trying to do a spirit bomb okay (laughs) you guys have watched Dragon Ball right Mm -hmm. she's trying to talk to Hayden Christensen yeah and we do hear him actually what'd you guys think of Hayden nice to hear him again one of his best performances yeah that was great in the movie (laughs) (laughs) he likes saying now like what gives (laughs) Uh, I, I really like that when she says be with me and then she's the music is really nice in this scene I noticed that both uh, on both watchings, but she says, be with me. She starts hearing the voices of all the Jedi and she kind of gets that, uh, that, you know, extra pump and she, she takes him out and now maybe the method of taking him out with reflecting his, his super lightning back to him isn't the best, but, uh, why? That's what Mace Windu did. Mace Windu? He didn't do shit, man. <laughs> what do you mean? Back in the day when he almost killed Sidious is because he's blocking his own force lightning back oh, at right. his ass. Right. 
we hear Mace Windu's voice too, keeping Samuel L. Jackson towards the top of our list uh, in the movie club. Yeah, I remember. I wrote down this quote, actually. Do you mind if I read it? Please. Get these Palpatines off my motherfucking plane. <laughs> Stop. That's some good shit. I'll say this. This isn't my criticism, but I, I do try to stay in tune to what people are saying and to put my SJW hat on. Sorry, Brett. Is that there's kind of an abusive, violent relationship between Kylo and Rey. Almost Beauty and the Beast-esque, you know what I mean? And to have that be redeemed romantically, I could see how some people read that as gross. I, I'm not commenting one way or another. It's not really my place to, but I've seen that floated in the ether. And I think I even texted you that, Josh, is that Star Wars doesn't have the balls to have an interracial kiss, but the angry, abusive, violent man is allowed to to have a physical relationship with the female protagonist i oh my god and he's a white man the worst kind of man man. brett is (laughs) throwing his phone in the air i will say this there's this thing with uh domestic abuse where the wife or the person who's being abused like will come back like again and again and kind of be tricked and thinking that like oh this time he'll change and it can be really sad and i think Star Wars showed a story of where that person actually does change. And maybe that's not always realistic in real life, I guess, sadly. Well, and it's just <laughs> the movie and Disney in particular tries to to walk this progressive tightrope where it's allowed to be played in China, but will also be appealing to left-leaning film critics in the United States. That's the only way they think about it. And that was evidence kind of in that celebration that's happening uh, where, you know, J.J. Abrams was talking about, oh, this is going to have Star Wars' first gay kiss, and it's two characters in the background. Uh, And and I can hear what Brett's saying right now into his phone that, you know, there doesn't need to be gay characters in Star Wars. There certainly doesn't. There doesn't need to be you know, there doesn't need to be black characters in Star Wars, there doesn't need to be straight characters in Star Wars, there doesn't need to be white characters in Star Wars, but if you're going to advertise that there's gay characters in Star Wars, to do it in this way is completely disingenuous, in my opinion. Did did you guys see the kiss? Did you guys, were you guys aware of kind of what was I, going I, on? Yeah, I saw it. It was very quick. Yeah. Like you said, it was in the background. It was, you know, after they won the day and everyone's kind of celebrating, uh, you know, <laughs> Poe's trying to like hook up with his old fling and other people are hugging and then, uh, Two women kiss briefly. It's like nothing really there. <laughs> I mean, I, I wasn't expecting like a big thing. I was. I didn't think it was going to be like, you know, Ray and Rose or anything. Okay, so to me, this was kind of saying, I don't know what, because I really thought Poe and Finn had a thing. I'm being like dead serious. And to have them both kind of have female crushes, I guess announced in this movie like kind of later on and then this scene where like everyone's coming together and hugging and showing the lesbian kiss right there even though it was brief pap i feel like there's something that like no is he trying to say something else as well or is it just a marketing thing like you're saying it's just pure marketing and to have to finn to have a fling and to have uh uh does finn have a fling uh an ex all right i guess not anymore but or, or I don't know, maybe not, but Poe definitely had a fling, and it's just total. It's the not gays. It's the it, it's a blatant, 
you know, oh, totally not gay. And like, it's the same thing that Endgame did. It's the same thing that Beauty and the Beast did. It's a way to grab Twitter headlines of, like I said, left-leaning film critics before the film debuts, but to also make the film marketable in China. It's very disingenuous and, and frankly gross to me to to sort of play off that from a marketing perspective. But let's let's wrap up the movie here. <laughs> Kylo, what what happens back on Tatooine? It's been it's been almost two weeks since we've had new Star Wars content on Tatooine. It felt good to be back and see the Jawas again after almost three weeks on the Mandalorian. So <laughs> bring us home. Oh, look, are we going to talk about force healing at all? Please, I don't think we've even mentioned it. Please. So Ray uses a force healing ability that we have never seen in any of the movies up until the point when she like heals the monster to get him away. Some people are upset about the Force healing. Some people don't care. I think Disney planned the most recent episode of The Mandalorian <laughs> at a very perfect time yep. because Baby Yoda heals someone in an, an episode that came out a day before this movie. So <laughs> it was somewhere else first, I think, is what they were trying to shift it to. I mean, Force healing has existed in Star Wars, just not in these main movies. Do you guys think it's a problem to include it now as like a plot device or a way to get out of a situation in the movie? I don't. I just wish they would have played up that maybe like druid-esque part of her personality more throughout the trilogy. Like, especially because it turns out being such a big deal with um, them being a dyad and Kylo being able to use that same power to then bring her back to life. Like, that's kind of what I assume happens. I feel like if they really had their crap together writing this trilogy, that could have been something uh, breadcrumbed throughout both of the two previous films. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned, like, could it have been breadcrumbed in The Mandalorian? Because we, we had a big discussion on, I don't know if it was the first or second episode or episode of spoilers that we did for that, that Jawas are used in this film as an establishing shot to code that we're in Tatooine. Like we get, we obviously get Luke's hut later. We get the two sons later, but the first shot of Tatooine we see is Jawas, which we just established two weeks ago are a nomadic people. They're not necessarily native to Tatooine. So that felt like a little bit of a clusterfuck to me. It's like, okay, I see Jawas. I, I know that I'm supposed to be thinking Tatooine, but I don't know that it is for sure now at this point. Wow, that's an interesting point. I mean, we see that it's tattooing not just the Jawas, but, you know, we see the the old Skywalker mm -hmm. uh, homestead. And, um, I mean, I guess we can talk about it now. That's where uh, Rey brings Luke's and Leia's lightsabers, and we find that she has a new one of her own, and she kind of buries them and says goodbye in a way. She sees the Force ghosts, and a passerby comes through, and she announces that, uh, well, she's a Skywalker now, essentially. Yeah, and Corey, will you ever look at the twin sons of Tatooine again and not think of the love between Rey and Ben Solo? <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, I'll say this, man. Her walking against the twin sons and that, that specific piece of music, I think it's called Binary Sunset, is playing. I mean, it got me. I was like, it got me because a lot of reasons i mean this trilogy's over um you know the nostalgia feels it's like it's like okay it's kind of back to where it started
I'm going to play that Twin Sons of Tatooine song in the background of this edit. It's beautiful. Nice. Well, Binary Sunset, but also that indie song, Twin Sons of Tatooine, that we've talked about before. Corey? Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't remember. Maybe. <laughs> Twin Sons of Yeah, so I think that right before we give our own yes or no's and final reviews, I have a few really good friends that wanted to weigh in. And so far we have two yeses. Uh, Mikey and Brett both gave yeses and zero no's. So uh, could we listen to Katie? Do you remember Katie, Pappy? She was on the uh, Adaptation Pod with us. How could I forget? We love Katie. She's a great friend of myself and the pod. Let's listen to her review. Hey guys, uh, so last time for The Last Jedi, I accidentally rated the movie on a scale of 1 to 9. So <laughs> going on my scale of 1 to 9, for uh, this year, I would say it's a 7.3 out of 9. I'm kind of conflicted about this film. Um, it was pretty really high. fun to watch. Yeah. My favorite thing was Ray and Kylo's connection. And I thought it was really cool that at the end, I gave him the lightsaber. I liked their final battle. My least favorite thing was the kiss that they had at the end. Yes, Katie. Because I was like, oh, uh. a woman basically just won this film, and I don't want her to kiss Kylo or have a love interest in him. I guess it kind of made things better that he died, but I was bothered by that. What? I also was really bothered. Bothered. I thought <laughs> Finn should have had a bigger role, um, and then that was a missed opportunity to dive deeper into one of the best characters in this series. And the biggest letdown was that Poe and Finn didn't end up together. Yeah. But I'm going to watch the movie again, see if my opinion changes at all. And I'll let you guys know if it does. But all right, I'll talk to you guys later. Love the return of the nine-point rating scale. (laughs) She also texted me later and said she gives it a yes, a conflicted yes. So sign Katie up. Well, yes. real quick, uh, she mentioned uh, Finn as an underutilized character. Corey, what did you think about Rose in this movie? I think uh, they utilized that character in the perfect amount. But, <laughs> <laughs> Ouch, dude. But they should have used the, uh, the Mary from Lord of the Rings a little bit more. I mean, the only thing he does is suggest <laughs> that they suicide bomb the Star Destroyers, which is like, whoa. Like Holdo. Yeah, he says, let's do some Holdo maneuvers. And <laughs> Poe's like, oh, take it easy, dude. Yeah. Like, let's it's a one in a million shot. Just kamikaze, though. <laughs> that was another meta score. <laughs> Seriously, like, that was ridiculous. Because there's been a lot of talk online about, like, if this is how space battle works, every fleet would just do this. So I feel like J.J. Abrams addressing this is telling. Anyway, I digress. Pappy, one of your favorite calls and call-ins <laughs> from last year was Boss and John. Ba, we got ba. the Boss and music playing. Ba, ba. Ba, ba, da, ba, da, ba, da, ba, 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 ba. Yeah. <laughs> here, he, here he is, Boss and John. All right, you know who it is. It's Boss and John again with Star Wars review. <laughs> I liked it. 3.94. No. We're good to go. I didn't like all the uh, weird sits at the end, but... I think overall it was pretty darn good. Way better than The Last Jedi. Peace. Boston John letting me down. Not in his review. That guy was in uh, that episode of The Mandalorian, right? He had the gun on his back. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> he didn't so. like all that Sith stuff. Is that what he said? He didn't like the yeah, Sith stuff. Yeah, he didn't like stuff. all the Snokes. All the Snokes stuff. <laughs> the Snokes and robes. Pappy, last year, one of my favorite reviews was an Instagram friend. He's a little younger than us, but Eamon? Eamon? Um, yeah. He was so pumped for The Last Jedi. Let's let's listen to what he has to say about Rise of the Skywalker. Okay. I have a lot of issues with the movie. To me, it felt like it lacked a feeling of finality and just wasn't satisfying at all. It just it didn't feel like a continuation of the previous building upon what the previous movie had set. And it just felt like an apology for all the things fans didn't like and came off as non-interesting and uncompelling. It just was, just was terrible. <laughs> I like it. Concise, no intro. <laughs> and angry. <laughs> that dude, he's put some holes in uh, drywall. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> and for our very last call-in, uh, we have a really good friend of mine, Emily May. She um, is a recent... She's a new... St- star wars fan only within the last like six months or so started watching but i believe she's a completist minus the ewok adventures so let's give a listen to good call emily there. may's uh review emily here from south bend i watched all the star wars movies this fall in anticipation of the rise of Skywalker coming out i had never seen any of them before and this was my first star wars theater experience Um, I went from having nothing known about Star Wars to total lifelong fan uh, in just a few months. And this movie checked all the boxes for me. I love how it tied up pretty much all the loose ends I could imagine of the Skywalker saga story. I loved the action-filled plot. Um, I loved Ben's story arc, um, Kylo back to Ben, and then getting together with Rey at the end. I've already seen it twice in theaters, and I would definitely see it a third time while it's still there. This movie is a yes for me. You know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of Brett, who binged Game of Thrones basically right before season eight and was like, yeah, it, it worked for me. Maybe it's not having to wait so long for a conclusion that makes it less disappointing. I feel like you would totally avoid a lot of that director squabble that we've talked about and a lot of yeah, the other junk. You know, I really appreciate fans like that. I I know, like, I think one person that's like that uh, that I'm friends with on Facebook about Star Wars. Like, th- like this guy just loves it. She sounds like she's the same way. Like, just, I like Star Wars. I like all the movies. I watch them. They're all good. They get me excited. And as opposed to, like, me where I'm like, yeah, I liked it, but I had a problem with this. And I kind of, like, nitpick this. I wish they had done my idea instead kind of stuff. I, I mean, there's something really pure. And I, I don't know. I just like that. And, Pappy, one of the things that you love about a lot of the lesser-known movies we cover on spoilers is... The fact that you don't know what's going to happen next, and I feel like this movie was so wily, you had no idea what was going to happen 10 minutes from now. Yeah, I mean, I-, I wish I could shut my brain off and just enjoy it like I- like everyone else who we put on the voicemail seems to be able to, but I just can't. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't. What'd you guys think about Broom Boy? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, did you guys think Broom Boy from Last Jedi was going to return? I've heard people complain that they didn't <laughs> bring him back. 
that always seemed symbolic to me. That never seemed like, oh, this is the next Jedi. It always seemed like, oh, there's kids in the galaxy that are being inspired by this. I never understood why that was such a big theory. I had this idea that during the uh, Palpatine confrontation that Broom Boy, he was going to be grown up now. He was going to be Broom Man. And he was going to show up with like a yellow lightsaber with like a broom on one end, you know, like on the handle. And he's just going to take out Palpatine. And he's just doing like all the moves that that out. one kid does on that original viral video. <laughs> yeah, he just comes in and takes him out somehow. Like, <laughs> and then he's like, it's Broom Man. And then he like leaves. My, how you've grown, Broom Man. <laughs> I'm here to sweep up the Sith. I have, I have one last. One last question for you guys before we get into yes or no's, and that's the the three day total for the Force Awakens was two hundred and forty seven million dollars, and at the time it was the biggest movie opening of all time. And compared to that, Rise of Skywalker three day total is is only quote unquote only one hundred and seventy seven million dollars. But in a multinational you know corporation like Disney, it's all about infinite growth, and that's not showing infinite growth. How how do you think 20 years from now, we're 20 years removed from the prequels, 20 years from now, how do you think the sequel trilogy will be remembered? Corey, I, 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 I kind of want to start with you. Well, um, do you remember back when everyone hated the prequels? Yeah, yesterday for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, back when they came out around that time, maybe not so much right when they came out, but like the years after, they were not remembered fondly at all, right? But the next generation of people, I think it's like maybe young millennials or Gen Zers, they seem to really like the prequels. I've seen a lot of people say that Revenge of the Sith is their favorite Star Wars movie. It's and crazy. you know what? If that's your thing, that's totally fine. I think these movies will be remembered fondly in the same way. I mean, they got fans now, they got detractors now, but I think the next generation, like my kids' generation, will probably have a. Uh, a high opinion of them. There's just so many fans of Star Wars, though. It's like every possible theory or stance one could have on the films exists. And it exists <laughs> in like a really <laughs> rabid community. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Josh, did you want to give uh, uh, your take? I mean, what do you think? Long term. <laughs> well, what was... Yeah, long term. I don't think that's a fair comparison to the prequels because I do think that the sequels are just a much higher quality than those are in the storytelling. Um, I'm not joking when I bring up all this meta stuff that happens. I've never seen it this clearly in cinema before and I found it highly entertaining and I want to see if there's more of it that I didn't see. And I think it adds a whole new layer to this film that if you're not apt to just get like really mad about it when it happens, it's actually pretty crazy to think about. I think that, I don't know, as we move forward in media in general and the internet, it's the creator as much as the creation that you like talk about and discuss. And it's just so like, I don't know. It, it's crazy. <laughs> I, I think that Disney got their money's worth from Star Wars. They paid $4 billion it's trending down, but I, I hope that we see this sequel trilogy as sort of the last beholden to the old stuff. And, and I, and I, I, like I said, on the Mando episodes, they were, they were doing such a good job of showing us new worlds and, and being more free in their storytelling. I hope the future star Wars films, which there will be more of, I hope that they don't feel 
like they need to have a scene on Tatooine or that we need to explore, you know, like the the lineage of the Sith or the Jedi. I, I don't mind if there's Sith or Jedi in the movie, but I just hope that we can tell new kinds of stories. I hope this is the last member berries movie of star Wars, but I'm not <laughs> good luck with that. I'm on not... the other side. Bring on the member berries. I want to see Tatooine. I want to see the cantina. I want it all, man. Bring back Boba Fett. Pappy. I don't, I don't think you can say yet if it's going to happen or not, but I think they're predicting when the numbers come through that star Wars and its whole run won't make as much as Endgame did. in it's, uh, opening weekend. That's pretty Whoa. crazy to think about. I, yeah, I don't know if it will or not, and it's it's opening weekend. I, I guess I will say that I, I read Bob Iger's book, and it was interesting, uh, kind of him talking about that, that Lucas was like really insistent on wanting to get more money for Star Wars than they paid for Marvel, and when you look at it from an ROI perspective. Disney's gotten so many more films and so much more IP and so many more characters and so many more movies from Marvel than they did Star Wars. So I don't know. I would be interested to see how Bob Iger looks at the investment. If it was worth $4 billion to bring that that IP in-house, I'm sure that it was, but it wasn't you know, as good of a deal as, as yeah, Marvel. Is it almost a distraction now? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Star Wars is going to always be making them money. It's a, it's a, I mean, come on, the long term on Star Wars, they're always selling toys. But the saga of the Skywalker is supposedly over, Corey. Do you buy that? And if so, do you, does that make you sad? It's never going to be over. With the Skywalker specifically. Never Never going to be over. I'm here to, to, it's never going to be over. (laughs) I mean, you guys must know that deep down. I mean, even if they stop it for 25 years, they're going to bring back Ray's kid or clone. It's going to happen. I mean, there's a scene in this movie. We kind of skipped over it, but there's some deep fakes happening with young Luke and Leia kind of doing this training scene. I really like that scene a lot. (laughs) It was like really nice to finally see them do that. When they're doing their like uh, lightsaber training and that's when Leia quits being a Jedi. I mean, yeah, yeah, pretty crazy. Eh, okay. I mean, I like that. You guys aren't super into that de-aging stuff, though, right? I thought it looked pretty good. I thought that Disney said that they weren't going to use any CGI to resurrect Carrie Fisher. And I, I feel like that's more of the slippery slope to me. Is like going back to Rogue One even is that I don't care what the estate says. If an actor's not alive to give their permission to do that, it's gross to me and a bad a bad precedent i mean we saw they're bringing back effing james dean for a for a movie like where where does it stop you know right but what this does mean for star wars is i think what we see on screen is leia beats luke in this in the fight with lightsabers kind of proving dominance and then also like kind of lays down the sword as well and that proves to be like a very big plot point I, th- I think we really needed that scene, Pat. Ah, yeah, I mean, no, I I liked it. Like, I mean, I liked seeing them fighting, and I thought that was cool. But I, I just, it's it's the precedent that bothers me, is all. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pappy, I think you've telegraphed it a bit, but why don't you hook us up with your yes or no? Yeah, this movie is for dumb dumb fanboys. It's a hard no uh, for me. I don't. Mm-hmm. It is. 
exhausting. Uh, I texted Stevie, who hasn't had a chance to see it yet. I said it, I felt exhausted leaving the theater, and I felt like we didn't go anywhere. And I'm not... Go back and listen to the last Jedi podcast. I'm not out there you know, defending that film either. I, I think as individual films, they're all decent entertainment fare. But if you look at this as a as a trilogy that's supposed to have an arc that's supposed to tell kind of a coherent story. It's an absolute fucking mess. And I think that this falls, you know, squarely on the shoulders of Kathleen Kennedy, that it's evident to even the most like uninformed viewer that there was never a plan. There is no plan for these movies. And it, it feels messy and shambly. And there might be like one or two cool parts of this movie, but as much as I hated the last Jedi, I think about kind of, you know, the visuals of the Holdo maneuver, the visuals of like even the Porgs. And like, I don't think that there was any individual visual from this film that, that stands out to me. It's just a messy, intense, overly packed film. And maybe, you know, in, in a couple of years, we'll get a better cut of this, but this is a, a no for me. And moreover, it's a no for this whole franchise. And I'm just kind of, <laughs> I'm just kind of done no with asked. Star Wars. I just I, Star Wars just keeps letting me down and keeps letting me no down. No more Mando. I'm, I, I'm gonna no. We're gonna keep doing Mando episodes, but I know where just where it's gonna end up. It's just gonna always end up in member berries because there's no vision <laughs> for where this IP is going, and I'm tired of being convinced that there is. So a soft no, I guess, frankly, for the movie for me, but a hard no for the state of Star Wars as is. All right, well, uh, you know what? I think I'm going to change my review based on what you just said there, Pappy. Go oh, for no. it. <laughs> At least part of it. <laughs> I'm going to say the people that don't like this movie are uh, angry, bandwagon-jumping, letterbox keyboard warriors. And <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Pappy Malcolm. Oh, he's slight. Letterbox. Pappy Malcolm. Follow me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I am a dumb, dumb fanboy, and I, you know what, I can't escape that, and that's okay. You know, a lot of us are as Star Wars fans, and this delivers things that us uh, fanboys like. And the fan service is heavy, but it's also pretty delicious. I, I was moved by a couple of scenes that we skipped over, like Chewie finally got the medal, and I know Josh, you oh kind of like, no. thought that was kind of corny. I laughed you know out loud. As a longtime Star Wars fan, I don't know, it got to me. Chewie's reaction when Leia died really got to me. I had some real emotional pull in this movie, and like I said before, that's it's just pretty uncommon for a film to move me in that way. And I think Kylo Ren and uh, Rey's journeys are something that really fascinated me. I, I really like them, especially Kylo Ren. Maybe I would have preferred to just let Rey die and Kylo live, but it doesn't make or break it for me, that fact. <laughs> I think it would have been bold to just have Ray dead and Kylo's alive now and he's good but our uh, our main hero's gone. But anyway, all that aside, I do like the sequels. Don't at me on Instagram. I don't want to hear your shit about it. You know what? <laughs> if you don't like them, that's fine. <laughs> you know, it's cool. Like you don't like it, I I'm sure you like things that I don't like and that's just the way it goes. It's all subjective. I like Star Wars. I like the sequels. This movie is a yes for me. This is Josh from Goshen. Um, I think Pappy hits the nail on the head when he talks about Kathleen Kennedy. Like, she just didn't manage the ball club real well here. And that said, Ryan Johnson, play ball, man. Like, 
he could have been a better teammate here in the middle film and helped move things along. And I think it would have saved us a lot of the rushing that we see. Uh, I think ultimately JJ like took Ryan Johnson's meta-ness from number two and just like took it over the top into this third installment of the sequels and showed him up in a way because of it. I don't know. Man, I'm getting on the slippery slope of Ryan Johnson hate. He's a great director. <laughs> Knives out. Great. Brick. I love it. Um, Looper. This movie really just gave me what I wanted. I love seeing the Emperor again. I love seeing the unnatural stuff he's been doing. It kind of makes sense that he's kind of like Sauron, like building this big empire kind of behind everyone's backs. Uh, it's totally Deuce X Palpatine again, <laughs> but... <sighs> I don't know. It's kind of what I always wanted, and I didn't even know it. Um, it's a big yes for me. And Corey, like you, I teared up. I didn't cry at all, but I felt the emotion swelling a little bit. Uh, uh, me, and, me neither, man. Me and, neither. <laughs> and the number one moment was when all of the ships from the good guys across the galaxy showed up in the sky. I just thought that was such a cool shot. And I knew we were kind of like in the last 10 or 15 minutes or so of the saga, so... It's pretty cool, only to be interrupted by Lando being like, giddy up, or whatever he says. <laughs> well, at least we got Babu Frick up there, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah everyone gets their one-at-a-time calm voice. But, yeah, uh, Pappy, I know, like, I really respect you and what you think about movies, but tonight we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven yeses to two lone nose just you and Eamon who loved tlj so much last year i mean i don't any love final TLJ. words on... what are you talking about <laughs> no just that this year you're so outnumbered seven to two i didn't i honestly didn't expect it to be that lopsided against you the vast majority of critics are panning this film i think i speak for the majority of you know film critics here but maybe not the majority of fanboys i don't I don't really know how that was. Was it plays the out. definitive list, the survey I did on my Instagram after all? Yeah, because the sample <laughs> size of people who follow follow Kylo Ren memes is totally objective. Good good point. Our listeners can listen can look up the Rotten Tomato scores and the Medics critic scores, but um, I think that's all we have tonight. Any final words from you all, Pap? Do you wanna toss or to spoiler man, but maybe talk a little bit about the LOTR stuff we have coming up? I'd really like to tease that out a little bit. Yeah, definitely. It's it's one of the things that I'm most excited for that we've ever done on this podcast. Honestly, this was the I think longest episode we've done for any individual movie coming in at over two hours now, or just at two hours for the Rise of the Skywalker. But the Lord of the Rings franchise is just so big, we decided to split that up over a series of episodes. So that's going to end up being the longest. We got what's going to be eight episodes, Josh, coming six. out. Six episodes to start off the new Let's year. Let's not get about, crazy. <laughs> about the Fellowship of the Ring. So so look for that. We also have our uh, 2019 trivia extravaganza coming out and uh, the return of the movie game with Turner and Hooch. So lots of cool stuff to uh, listen to on this feed. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Pap. Uh, and for everyone at Spoilers, take it away. Spoiler Man. Rise of Skywalker. Palpatine. <laughs> Ray Skywalker. We're still friends, right, Pappy? That was all for the show. Our 
email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is podcastspoilers. It's lit. Josh Hensley from the Rutabaga wrote our theme song. Please support this podcast by leaving us an iTunes review.